Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. This podcast is designed to introduce to the audience Baptist preachers, both living currently in America or across the world, and also to introduce classic speakers, men of the past. There were Baptist preachers that have inspired men like myself for years to preach the Word of God. And they also, through their preaching, highlight Baptistic principles. Our speaker for today for the Baptist pulpit is Dr. Don Green. He passed away this past February, February 9th, 2022, at 93 years old. He was a prayer warrior and also a Bible preacher. He was a pastor at Parker Memorial Baptist Church for 62 years until he retired at age 89. And even after retiring, he kept spreading God's word and kept preaching. He was known as a a man of prayer and also a man of the Bible. He tried to read the Bible through about three times a year, reading the Bible over and over throughout his life for over 60 years. I pray that today's message will be a blessing to you as you listen. Thank you so much. My, the music's, the music's worth coming to church for, isn't it? It's wonderful, just absolutely wonderful. And I have enjoyed so much these last two or three days I've been here. It just seemed like it's just eating and eating and eating some more. It's good food, though, wasn't it? I heard about a Catholic priest. He wanted to become a monk. And uh, so he went to his superior and he said... I'd like to become a monk. Well, he said, at our monastery where you'd have to go, it's quite a rigorous program they have there, and you'd be in seclusion, become almost a recluse. You have, we only allow our monks in our monastery to say two words every 10 years. And he said, that's all right, that's what I want to do. So he went and he came back after the first 10 years. And his superior said, "Uh, you can say what you want to say if you want to. He said, food bad. So he went away another 10 years, came back, and uh, his superior said, you can say your two words if you care to. He said, bed hard. So he went away another ten years and came back and he said, you can say your two words. He said, I quit. (laughs) Well, he said, you might just as well. He said, you've done nothing but complain for 30 years. (laughs) That's funny. I thought it was anyway. It's about like that uh, young couple got married and a He said, I wish you could make pies like my mother made pies. And she said, I wish you made the dough my dad did, too. (laughs) Somebody brought a pie to the preacher. Everybody's bringing nice things to the preacher off times at our place. And somebody brought the pie, and it was so terrible that nobody could eat the pie. It was just terrible. I had to throw it in the garbage. Well, the first thing they got to church, he'd come running and said, Pastor, how did you like my pie? Oh, he said, I want you to know that pie like that doesn't last long around our house. (laughs) I don't know. I, I probably ought to preach. But I enjoy 
I felt maybe I was restrained last night somehow. Felt like I laid an egg a little bit. But anyway, I I heard about this young couple, and they were in love in Bible college, and she kind of followed him around a little bit to hear him preach different places where he had called to preach, and and uh, before they got married, they had a big long talk about their lives and what each of them was getting into, and they kind of told some secrets about their life so they wouldn't have to reveal it after they got married. And and she, he said to her, don't you have, oh yeah, she said, I have a little secret, and but I keep it in a little box, and it's just a little box, and uh, if you don't mind, I'm not going to say anything about it. Well, he said, I sure would like to know. Now, she said, if you could just trust me, I just... All the secret is right in that box. And so they were married three or four months. And uh, she decided she'd like to go visit her mother for a couple of days. And he consented to that. And while she was gone, the curiosity of that box and sitting up in the closet got to him. And he said, I'm just going to peek and see what's in there. Well, when he looked in, he was flabbergasted. And he, when she came home, she could see that he was kind of sheepish about something. And she said, you didn't get into the box, did you? Yeah, he said, I, I did. But I was really confused to see what was in there. He said, all that was in there was four eggs and seemingly like hundreds of dollars. What is this all about? Well, she said, when you were a young preacher and I followed you around to these different places to hear you preach, whenever you laid an egg, I always just put an egg in the box. When you, that's what they call when you didn't preach too good. They call it laying an egg. So, well, he said, I didn't do too bad if there's only four eggs in there. He said, but you don't understand, dear. When you got a dozen, I sold them. <laughs> anyway, I really appreciate I really appreciate this place. I I love your pastor and his sweet wife and children and staff and all you dear folks. It's just wonderful. And I see some friends that I don't get to see too often, and I'm grateful for that too. It's just a joy to come to the campus and to stay here these few days, it's a, it's a real blessing. I'm sincere when I, I say that. I, I, like the, I like the standards and the convictions. Most people in this auditorium this morning, most men, got a tie on. I like that. I push that pretty hard at my place. I heard about a fellow that went to this place for a meal with his friends and he got to the door and the doorman at this classy restaurant said, "You, can, sorry sir, you can't come in here without a tie on. Well, he said, you don't understand. I drove a long ways and my friends have a table reserved and I want to be with them. He said, I'm sorry, but if my boss sees you come in without a tie, I get fired and I need the job. Well, he said, um, what am I going to do? Go all the way back home? No, he said, I don't know what you're going to do, but you're not coming in without die. I said, why don't you just go to your car and find something in the car and put it around your neck and I'll call it a tie. Well, he said, that's good enough. But all he could find was jumper cables. <laughs> so he tied the jumper cables around his neck, came to the doorman and said, all right, you can go in, but don't try to start anything. I better preach. I love. I just love to tell the humors. I enjoy them so much. I'd like to invite your attention this morning uh, to Ephesians chapter three and verse twenty. And I would. I would hope that God would give me 
liberty to preach to you this morning on a wonderful, wonderful principle that is not only in Ephesians, but it's through the entire Bible, a principle that you could build your whole life structure on and it would absolutely change your life. I'm going to make a prayer. Father, I love you more than anything in the whole world. And I, I'm not a smart aleck. I, I don't come up here as some person that feels like he has all of the right to be in a pulpit such as this. I don't, Lord. I love you, though. And I want to be faithful to you. And you help people just like me. You help people that look to you for help. And I'm looking to you to help me this morning. And I'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 3.20 Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He's able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we could even think according to the power, that Holy Ghost power that indwells the believer you have something working wonderfully for you. He said uh, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly. He said above anything you could even uh, ever imagine. And it kind of hinges on the other part, according to the power that worketh in you. This is a principle throughout the... I'm going to read a few of those verses. Colossians, excuse me, Second Chronicles and 16 and 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. He said, Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. It was said, it was said about Uzziah, As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. God sees our heart. There's no doubt about it that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all of the earth. And there is nothing hid from the all-seeing eyes of God. He wants to show himself strong in your behalf. And um, all you ask is that your heart be perfect toward him. He said, but as it is written, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, Neither hath it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. There is a principle, a principle that there's power. The power of God is already in you in the form of the Holy Spirit of God. And um, that power wants to work in you. And... When you become a Christian, you become saved, you have that indwelling Holy Spirit. There's nothing in the world that God would not do for you if you would love Him and if you'd seek Him and if you'd delight yourself in Him. And if your heart could be perfect towards him with that complete dedication and holiness and devout devotion and consecration 
your life being set apart and committed to him. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all of the earth looking for people that he could demonstrate his power through their lives. Jeremiah 17.10, if I, the Lord, search the heart, I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. He wants to do it. He wants and desires. It was said in the book of Samuel, for the Lord seeketh Seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. God is so capable of doing anything and everything that you'd ever desire in your heart to serve the Lord with. Our text, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or even think. You know he's able He's able. You know He's able. He's able to save us to the uttermost. You know that. Even from the guttermost. You know that too, don't you? Paul said, and being fully persuaded that what he has promised, he was able to perform. I like all of these verses. He's able to keep them from falling and to present them faultless. Those are wonderful verses. For I know whom I have believed in, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. But he's able to do exceedingly abundant, above all that you could even ask or even think. I, uh, let me, I don't know where you are. I don't even hardly know what you think about. I have no idea. I, I, I want to help you if I could this morning. If you're like me anyway, you'd, you'd like to be greatly used of God. That's really all I've got in my head is to be used of Him. I, I, I want God to grant power on my life. I want to gain a place of service for Him. I want to be able to gather the things that I need to help me to serve Him with. I want to be girded with the strength and the power of God. Glorify God with my life. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of those that are per- have those who are hard is perfect toward him. All you have to do, it sounds simple, yet it's profound, is to create a place in your heart for God to begin to work. Endeavor to cleanse yourself, your mind, your body, your soul from any defiling thing, anything that would corrupt your heart and your mind and your soul. And choose God above everything else and put Him first. Let Him be the, let Him be the first person that you talk to every day. Let Him use you on the first day of the week. And on the first day of the week, give the first fruits of your tithe to God. Let him be the first person you counsel when you're trying to make a decision. If you could just begin somewhere in your heart to give God a little room with all this power that's in there to begin to work into your heart. There's no telling. Just constantly maintain those devotions where you spend time, time, prime time. With God in prayer and in your Bible reading. 
I have sought God so sincerely when I was a young man. I've failed God so much in my teenage years and early manhood with my Christianity, and I was a Christian all that time. But I wouldn't take my hands off my life. I wanted to do things. I had things in my mind I should not have had, and desires in my heart I should not have desired until I got serious about God. When I got serious about having God on my life, I asked an old-time evangelist, I said, his name was Bob Eaton. I said, Bob, I'm really hungry for God. I really want God. I want the power of God on my life. I notice you have that liberty and power with God. Could you just give me some little secret? Could you just tell me and I'd accept it and help, it help me? He said, Don, I don't know if it'd help you or not, but I, this is what I did. I, he said, I, I took up reading ten chapters in my Bible every day. And he said, I've been doing it all these years. And just from that day, from that very moment, that suggestion, the next day I started reading ten chapters. That was probably 54 years ago. And I sought that. And for 54 years now, I've been reading 10 chapters in my Bible every day. Now, it doesn't seem like much 10 chapters, but you try to do that 365 days in a year, it'll sometimes almost drive you crazy trying to get to do all of that. Well, 10 chapters, not very much, Brother Green. Try it. But those 10 chapters... Over these years, I've read my Bible through now 160 times. Now, that isn't a lot, but that's three times a year for all of these years. And the Bible is chock full of God, and it's chock full of Jesus, and it's chock full of the Holy Ghost. And you get reading that Bible, you get chock full of God, you get chock full of Jesus. And you'll get chucked full of the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying that's everything there is. But it's a wonderful start. Create a place where God can get a, some kind of a foothold in your life spiritually. And consecrate your life to God. Like you've never done before with a complete surrender to Him. I uh, know this to be truth. Little Fanny Crosby, who was a great hymn writer, as all of us know, that know anything at all about the Lord's work. When she was just a little girl, you know, she, she wasn't born blind, but the doctor gave her a wrong prescription. And she put it in her eyes and, of course, made her blind. But before she was, uh, before she was ten years old, she memorized the first five books of the Bible and the first four books of the New Testament. From that standpoint, she got... God in her head, in her heart, and down in her soul, and to give God a foothold in her life at, before she was ten. And they tell me that she wrote nearly 10,000 hymns, a blind woman. I'm just saying, there's just no telling what God could do with you. If you just give them a little place to get started with wholesomeness and holiness and godliness in your life and root out all the cornball, pardon me, screwball stuff that gets into your life.
But you won't do it. You want God and you want your television. You want God and your VCR and DVD and PDQ. You want it all. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to get it. You're not going to have it. You're not going to have it. You can't saturate your mind with this blasted world. All of its pornography and all of the corruption that's in it. You're not going to do that. You're not going to have filth in here and faith down here. It's going to destroy you. Who are we anyway? We're God's children. Give ourselves wholly to God. D.L. Moody heard a man preach and said, No one has ever seen a man who was completely dedicated to Jesus Christ. And he said, by the grace of God, I'll be that man. He perhaps didn't make it to full, but he rocked three continents for God. Think about that, would you? Don't you want to do something like that? Don't you, don't you crave it? Don't you want God more than anything else in the world? There was another little woman I, I kind of respect her. She's not of our stripe and not, you know, but you have to tip your hat to a, a lady like uh, Catherine Booth, who was William Booth's wife, who was founder of this, this Salvation Army. We always call them the Starvation Army. But uh, Catherine Booth, when she was a little girl, before she was 12, she read her Bible through. And she became used to being close to God. And God picked her out of all the ladies in the world to be married to that famous William Booth. She became a great woman, a great leader. When she died... It was said, it, this came out of the uh, London Chronicle paper, that when Catherine Booth died, and she lay dead there in London, England, 200,000 people passed by her casket to see her in her final remains. And most of those that came by, especially the ladies, said, This is our dear mother. And the London Chronicle said, Her shroud, that is her grave clothes, was as wet as if they had been dipped in the Thames River with the tears of the people that wept. Over her passing. I don't know about you, and I'm, but I'd rather be Catherine Booth and wear the tear-stained shroud than anything I know that I could influence the lives of people, especially God's people. It was said about Solomon. At the offset of his reign, he offered 1,000 burnt offerings. I'm reading from Second Chronicles 1 and 7. In that night, God appeared unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon says, give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? And verse 11 says, And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, thou hast not asked for riches, nor wealth, nor honor, or the life of thine enemies, 
Neither hast thou asked long life, but hast asked for wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people, over whom I have made thee king. He went on to say that wisdom and knowledge is granted unto you, and I'll give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, and neither shall there any after thee have the same or the like. All he did, you say, oh, well, it was quite a sacrifice. A thousand burnt offerings. But he prepared his heart according to the power that worketh in you. I want to ask you a little simple. Why, why don't you prepare your heart and your life for God to do a work in you? Just find a place for him. And God will give you things that you never even ask for. You don't mind me just trying to express this thought that it's throughout the Bible. This is where God works with people. Samuel's mother, whose name was Hannah, she went to the temple. First Samuel 1 and 10, she prayed unto the Lord. And she wept sore. And she vowed a vow. Those vows are so important. O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid, something's wrong, that I can't have a child. But if you look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaiden, thy handmaid, a man-child, then I'll give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. Verse 19, And the Lord remembered her, and she conceived, and she had a son, and called his name Samuel, which means ask of the Lord. And later she presented that boy at the temple to serve God all of his life. And I would say perhaps one of the greatest men that ever lived was Samuel. I mean, he anointed Saul, he anointed David. He was a great man, a prophet, served as a priest, and actually served as a judge or a king in Israel. And as far as you can see, two books of the Bible was named after him. Here was a little woman, humbly got down to business with God. And she fasted and she wept and she prayed year after year so sincerely. And when no answer came, she, she so desperately she made a vow, God, if you just give me a boy, I'll let him serve you all the days of his life. And God answered her prayer. She's not sad anymore. She, God did exceedingly abundant above all that she could ask. Not only did she have Samuel, but she went on to have three more sons and two more daughters. And she became one of the greatest women in the history of Israel. There is, there is a power in us. And God is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that you could even ask or think. She prepared her heart, Hannah did, for God to begin to work. Uh, Jochebed was the mother of Moses. And she had that little boy right in the time when Pharaoh had made an edict to throw all the little baby boy Jews into the water and drown them at birth. But she had enough faith and determination 
not to obey the edict of the government and the cruel work of men to destroy that little baby and the designs of Satan to destroy this great man, Moses, that was born. And she was story ended up, and you know how it all, you went in a little basket in the ark, and how Pharaoh's daughter finally found her and all that, and I don't want to go into all those details. But Pharaoh's daughter gave Jochebed wages to breastfeed that baby. And as she was rocking that little child and singing the hymns of Zion, putting down his little brain and heart and soul of where his roots were, of his, of his godliness and hope in God and faith in God, that when he grew up to be a man, this is what was said. When he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This is what every parent decides would just be so happy to hear about. Choosing rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the, the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For in respect unto the recompense of reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And you have to admit it. Even the world. You could go to the Library of Congress and find a list of the ten greatest men that ever lived. And Moses is one of those ten, along with Jesus Christ. All of the laws of the land and this land and lands all over the world. He helped establish the laws that were given to him by God. It's just no telling. It's just no telling what God could do with you if you just take your hands off of your life and yield. Get in. Get over. Surrender. Lock, stop, bell, be totally, unconditionally to God. Why don't you start it? Why don't you start that today? It was said of Ezra, the good hand of his God was upon him. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. It was said about Rehoboam. And he did evil. Because he prepared not his heart to seek God. You know, sometimes it's almost amazing how fast things can come when you do it right and get things straightened out finally in your life. I preached along these lines in my church one service, one Sunday morning. We have two old people in our church. Well, they're in their 80s now, but they were in their 70s when I preached this. And they sat just right down here on my left hand. And old people. And Mr. and Mrs. Roy Todd. And they kind of got the message that morning that if they would surrender... There were just people come church Sunday morning. They didn't come Sunday night, didn't come Wednesday night, just come Sunday morning. And I, in my message, said, you know, if some of you people would just give God a chance, just come Sunday night. You come Sunday morning, that's wonderful. But why don't you come Sunday night? Give God a little chance to work a little more in your life. Or how about even coming Wednesday night and get a little bit more on God? And I'm telling you now, I'm just saying it. She, my wife sits right there. You know, I'm telling the truth. Within just a matter of two or three weeks, after they made this and they started coming faithfully to all the services, 30, 30, 
30 of their family was in church. 30! I mean, sons and daughters and daughter-in-laws and grandkids. They got hoops and hollers up full of them. But they were there. And because they were getting right, everybody else is getting right in that whole family. You get dad right, and a lot of things will happen over at your house. That's good preaching, Brother Green. But I'm telling you how quickly things can happen. I, I don't mean to be a smart aleck. I just keep saying that. But I, I'm afraid you think that I'm just trying to cram it down everybody's throat. But I'd like to see you get a hold of God. I'd like to see God do something with you in your life. And not just flim-flam and wind-jam your way down through life. But have something going for you. It was in six weeks after I fully surrendered my life to Christ. In Jacksonville, Florida, I was there as associate pastor, assistant pastor. Large church, 2,500 members, big church. But I got the light of this thing to reading a book on the Holy Ghost. And boy, I mean, it saturated. It got me thinking. And I surrendered my life for the first time. I've told you this before. But I let go. I confessed it all. Honest, I'm, I'm telling the truth. I went way down and ripped up by the roots things that had been in my life all of my life. Things that were not right. When I ripped them up and not only asked God to forgive them, but I forsook them. Forsook them. God could see from heaven. His eyes run to and fro. And he saw my heart. That I was absolutely sincere. He knew whether I was going to plim-plam. He knew whether I was going to go back on my vows and promises that I made that day. He knew all about it. But he could see the sincerity of my soul. And how hungry I was for God and His power and His blessings upon my life. It wasn't a fancy prayer. But it was a sincere prayer. And God did exceedingly abundant above all I could have ever asked. He picked me right up. I was taken out of Jacksonville. And I was put, in, put right in Lansing, Michigan. Within six weeks, never near to the church before. That was 53 years ago. I've been there all these 53 years Raised my family there and that church and in the little house I live in. God used me to preach around the world. Thousands of souls. I would have never known anything about it. I would have known anything about it. I wouldn't be preaching at Fairhaven this morning. But oh, I want to tell you, God can do exceedingly about it. Above anything you could ever think. If you just let go. You know, I really sincerely believe when I'm preaching that God is no respecter of persons. Do you believe that? And what he would do for one, he'd do, don't resist him. Uh, don't, don't reject him. Don't rebel against what I'm saying. Don't, don't. Refuse and restrain. Don't be high-minded and all your heathen practices that you've been practicing and all your hell-raising that you're doing and all the Hollywood that's in your heads and all that hellish music that's coming around. You can't hardly keep it out of there because you're just so addicted to it. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we could ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Could you really get honest with God and just admit that's me? I'm wrong. You're right, God. I'm wrong. Could you somehow other... Make amends for some of the dumb stuff you've done. Could you begin to alter your life and eliminate 
sin, things that ought not to be there. Could you allow and would you allow the Holy Ghost to fill you? You have a clean, empty vessel. He couldn't fill it until you get it emptied because he couldn't fill it because you're not... You can't make room for what you already got in there until you get that out of there and get emptied out and God can fill you. Can you understand that? I don't know. I'm yelling and screaming like a fool. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. I I have a long list here of people, I could start at the top, it'd take me to four or five o'clock this afternoon, just to tell you of people that I have had to minister to over the years, that have done what I told you to do this morning. (laughs) The first boy's name is David Frederick. He's pastoring a church in Livonia, Michigan. I could tell you about Deanna Kessel, who's a pastor's wife. I can tell you about the Thompson girls, both of them married to preachers. This was when they had little kids, now I'm telling you. I can tell you about Candy Catbell. I can tell you about my own daughter, Mary Gray, who's on the mission field in New Guinea, over there with that one generation away from cannibals. There are people there that have eaten people. I told Mary, I said, darling, I love you. There's a closeness between Mary and I, just like a dad and his daughter. I love her to death. But I said, sweetheart, I'd rather have you be put in a pot and boiled in water and eaten to the cannibals in the will of God than to be living next door to me where I could love on you all the time. You say, I can't understand that kind of talk. Well, you could if you love God. She's there with her husband, John. Oh, they've been there 20 years. Well, I saw her when she made her consecration. I could tell you about my son, Tim, and Steve, and John, and Dan, and Jim. They made the consecration. Won't you make your consecration and let God have your life, use you? It's beyond any conception. I know what I am, pug-nosed, freckle-faced, little nine-year-old kid when I got saved. What God has done is far beyond anything I could ever imagine. I have a a whole list of things here about this one evangelist that I know is right off the street with drugs and all the rest. And how he made a way for God to begin his work in his heart by reading the New Testament through 27 times. And God got a little root hole, got a foothold. Began to work now. He's just, he can't, he's preaching every day and every night. All over this country. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that you could even ask or think. Would you give him a chance? Would you give him a foothold? Would you give him a starting place in your life? Would you give him an opportunity to demonstrate his power? Give him a little time to work with you. And God will do wonderful things. Are you just going to embrace the contemporary music and embrace uh, all the styles of clothes and hair and all the rest of the world? Have you got patience to wait on God a little bit? To have a little piety and holiness about your life. I tell you, I wish I was all that I want to be. 
I said it last night, but it's true. I've never been all I wanted to be. It's like that carrot out in front of the donkey. I just, oh, my heart panted, panted after the water works. I want to get close, closer than I've ever been. I want power in my life. I want a partnership with God. I want a passion for lost souls. I want a purity in my head and heart soul. At any rate, I'm going to quit. I preached way too long last night and I'm awful sorry. But I just wonder, I'm going to quit right here. It'd be a good place to quit. I got so much material, I could preach a great long time. But I just want to say this to you today. This is my prayer. I put it, I made a poem out of my prayer. I call it, Your Personal Touch. Oh, Lord Jesus, I love you so very, very much. I long to be near you. And to feel your personal touch. I crave your presence. It means everything to me. For there under thy your shadow my soul delights to be. To you, Lord, I want always to be true. And never, never, precious Jesus, drift away from you. The price I must pay for such closeness I gladly afford. For the closer I am to you, the better I like it, dear Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus, I love you so very, very much. And I so greatly desire to have your personal touch. Let's stand together. Thanks for listening to The Baptist Pulpit, Second Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the word and hearing the word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers. Let's pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to The Baptist Pulpit.